Our second reading is from the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew 6, 5 to 10. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The word of the Lord. It's a blessing to be here with you today. Um, I must say that I went online uh, earlier in the week to listen to Johnny's sermons as he started this series on the Ten Commandments. And, and, and I'm here with fear and trembling because uh, he knocked it out of the park with those first two, uh, the, those first two sermons. I, I will try to do justice to today's topic, um, which is on God's name, on the third commandment. And, and, and as you see, I just wrote my name. Hopefully most of you did as well. I used to be really good with names, um, and, then I, and then I had kids. And, and I get older names mixed up. Um, you know, I call Siri the oldest Pablo, and I call Pablo the second Mauro, and I call Mauro Lorenzo, who's the youngest. And I, you know, I don't know, it must be something that happens as you grow older. I, I don't know. Or it must, ha it must have to do with being a parent and all it entails. Um, today, uh, we come once again to the commandments and this wonderful series that um, you have embarked. Uh, and Johnny set up uh, this series wonderfully by simply saying that God is establishing the basis for our relationship with him. That is what he's doing in, in this covenant of the law. And um, in, in Mount Sinai, it's not the first commandment, actually before that, the, the first covenant, I'm sorry, before that, the Lord had established a covenant with Abraham. And even before Abraham, the Lord had established a, co a covenant with Noah. Um, so we can say this, up to this point, the covenant of the law is a new covenant. We will know eventually what is the ultimate new covenant, but the Lord is taking us in a progression. And as we go in that covenantal progression, this covenant of the law itself is a progression. In these ten words themselves, we see a progression from one to ten. Um, and we start with God. You know, no other gods but me or before me. I am your one and only God. And, and with good reason, we have a jealous and zealous God. And he will not suffer um, putting him in place of something else. 
Um, and after that, we have that commandment that has to do with worship. Because we have this tendency in our hearts to worship. And you know what? God put it there. It is a good thing that we were made for worship. So you can say that you're a worshiper. I can say I am a worshiper. We are worshipers because we were created that way, to worship the one and only God. These two commandments are related. Are Actually, and Johnny said this, you cannot take them apart from one another. Um, but what happens is that when you move on to the third commandment, you will notice that you cannot take it apart from the previous two either. And this commandment, we read it from Deuteronomy. The, the first instance is given in, in Exodus chapter 20 um, when Moses goes up the mountain. And then there's a recap. Once they are just before entering the land, uh, the promised land, and um, so, so Moses rehearses this covenant that had been given um, 40 years prior. <laughs> um, Moses summoned all Israel and said to them, Hear, O Israel, the statutes and the rules that I speak in your hearing today, and you shall learn them and be careful to do them. And let me um, make a pause right there. And you shall learn them and be careful to do them. Names. Why do we use them? And, 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 and there are different types of names. We, we have common names. You know, a wall is a common thing. Or if, if we refer to Scripture, we see on the days of creation. And God, God is naming things as He creates so, for example, God separated darkness from light, and he called darkness what? Night, and he called light what? Day. So, so these are common names that are attached to the thing name, that, that identify, that describe. So they are a mere handle, and they are helpful to us. Sometimes you hear the word, and immediately the image comes up in our minds. Um, so, but, you know, proper a proper name is a whole different thing. And if we um, think a little bit about this, think a little bit about our own names, and, and before coming here, I decided to Google my own name, Carlos, and, and it's, it has a, a, a nice uh, meaning, which I'll share in a little. Um, but there are many reasons why we name, we give a, a, a given name, a proper name to someone. Parents get to do this. I am a parent. My wife and I had the great blessing to think what names we were going to give our kids. We wanted it, you know. We are, I guess, in, in, if, if you are going to, once you hear our children's names, uh, you know, we were pretty straightforward and I guess pretty traditional. They have Spanish names. We are both from Puerto Rico. So our first language is Spanish, and we were born and raised there, and, you know, we were shaped by our own culture and language. And my kids have Spanish names, all four of them. So 
if you hear their names and if you somewhat, uh, you know, listen to them, you say, those are pretty traditional names. They're nothing, out, you know, they, they don't stand out in the crowd. Or they, you know, they want, um, uh, they're not silly names either. So my kids, my wife and I made sure that in naming our kids, we were not going to create a problem for them later on. You know, kids have some, some names will create problems for your own kids at school, you know, from teasing and bullying and things like that, from, from having difficulty spelling them. There are all kinds of reasons um, uh, why, we, why we name the way we name our children. And some of them have to do with honoring an ancestor. We want that family name to continue. Some of them have to do with the meaning of that name. Some of them have to do with sheer vain glory or pride, you know. All kinds of reasons why we name, but one way or the other, the reason we name is because it's important to us. It's because that name represents something and it's anchoring, it is establishing an identity for that person. I know that if someone comes in and says, hey, Carlos, I immediately will pay attention. There may be 50 Carlos in here, but I know I will be one of them that will pay attention because that's also my name. If somebody says your name, I take it that you will pay attention. It's tied, and, and we take our names for granted. You know, we're not necessarily using them on every waking minute. We're not constantly aware of that. Um, you know, maybe narcissistic people probably do that, but normal people know you, you're not con constantly um, beholding your name in front of your eyes, um, even though you know it. It's, it becomes second nature. Names are important because they anchor us uh, in who we are, in our identity, but not only as persons or, a, or as individuals, they anchor us within a community. And before a community, within a family. My family name is Peyot Vasquez. That's our family name. And each one of us has a different name, in, in a, a different first name. But our family name is Peyot Vasquez. So we have a recognizable, identifiable community, and within this family, each of the members have their own place and their own identity and their own name. Even when I get all my kids' names mixed up, they know who they are, and they have the grace to correct me. Papa, I'm not Pablo. Oh, Papa, I'm not Siri, you know. And I say, I'm sorry, son, I'm sorry, uh, whoever you are, <laughs> okay? So, so... So that goes to tell you that they know who they are within this family unit that has this family name. Names are important. Names are giving us a standing within the community. So in this community called the church, we are just one unit, one recognizable unity among all the families represented here, which is a wonderful thing because we have one name under the banner of Jesus, we belong to that same family, right? And yet, we all 
retain that individuality or that particularity within the community because of our name. And when Moses uh, rehearses the commandment, he rehearses the commandment with the people. He reaches commandment number three and he says, you shall not misuse, I'm quoting from the NIV, uh, I think we read from the ESV, you shall not, you shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. We want to know names. We want to know somebody's name. I told you I'm awful with names, and I, very embarrassingly, often have to tell people, please remind me of your name. And people very graciously tell me their names for the fifth time. Now, when Moses have the first encounter with the Lord, it was when? At the burning bush, right? He was shepherding the flocks of his father-in-law, and he sees this mysterious, majestic scene, and there's a bush on fire. And like anyone who's curious uh, and sees something extraordinary, he says, this doesn't make sense because there's something here on fire, there's something here burning, and yet it's still not burning. It's a paradoxical thing. And he is drawn to it. He goes to see, he goes to check it out. And as soon as he approaches it, he hears the Lord talking to him. Moses, Moses, this is chapter 3 of the book of Exodus. Do not, and, and Moses replied like startled, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And at this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. It's interesting the way Moses responds. He hid his face. He did not want to look. Once he hears, I am the Lord, your God, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And that is the first thing that the Lord does in that encounter. He identifies himself for Moses' sake. And, and, and once Moses um, understands, becomes aware of who's talking to him, his response is immediate. Now, before, before the Lord telling him who he is, he says, take off your, your sandals. Take off your sandals. Now, the ground on which you stand is what? Why is it holy? Is it holy by itself? Is it ground that is holy because, I mean, I came to a place in this mountain that 
It's known as a holy ground. It is simply and only holy because the Lord is there. The ground doesn't have any claims to holiness. The ground doesn't have any um, um, holiness in itself. It is holy because the presence of God is right there with Moses um, on, that, on that mountain. Now, God does something really interesting with Moses. He presents himself, introduces himself to Moses as the God of the past. I am the God of your father, Abraham and Jacob and, and Isaac and Jacob. But that is not all the Lord does in presenting or, or introducing himself to, to Moses. He presents himself to Moses also as the Lord of the moment, of the present. Because at that very moment, Moses is in Midian in a mountain having this encounter. And the people of God, the Israelites, are in Egypt. They are enslaved. They are suffering. They are oppressed. And the Lord says, I have seen the oppression of my people, the people of Israel. So the Lord presents himself to Moses as the God of his past, the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. But he also says, I am your God now. I am your deliverer now. I will free my people from this current circumstance in, in, in Egypt. But not only that. The Lord describes himself or, or introduces himself again as the God of the future. I am the God that will bring my people out of bondage and into the promised land, a land that flows with, with milk and honey. So I would say that's a pretty comprehensive way of getting to know someone, giving them a little bit of your background, Letting them know a little bit about what you are and what you're setting about to do in the moment. And also what you will be doing later on. Um, so past, present, and future. In one moment, the Lord lets Moses know who he is. The thing that happens here is that Moses is not entirely um, convinced. It's not entirely um, um, you know, pleased with that because the Lord is telling him, I will send you to Egypt. I will send you to Pharaoh to free my people. And we know Moses starts uh, objecting. He gets um, a little nervous about that. And this is what he says. Check this out. He says the following words on, on chapter, chapter 3. Um. Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? God said, I will be with you, and this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. And you have brought up the people out of Egypt. You will worship God on this mountain. Moses said to God, suppose I'll go, I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? We want to know names. 
We want to know names. We want to put, to use a common phrase, that face to that name. It's a, it's a natural um, impulse of us. Um, I, I, at least in, 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 in an introductory fashion, we always want to, to know. So Moses is trying to get a little, a little deeper with the Lord. Yes, I know you are the God of my fathers. I know, I understand what you're saying, that you're going to deliver your people from bondage. And I couldn't be happier that you will take us there where we will be free. But who are you nonetheless? Because they will ask me your name. And keep in mind that this encounter, this godly encounter, is also has to take in, in, into, into account that the Midianites had their gods, so did the Egyptians. A, a, a god that was presenting itself to you would have to give a name. And this is what the Lord does, which is mind-blowing. What is his name? Then, he continues to ask Moses, then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. Now, it begs the question, what in the world does I am who I am mean? What, I mean, what about proper, proper names? Because just about every other God had a name that, that, could, that could be grasped in some form or fashion. And there lies the difference between this God that is revealing himself to Moses and every other God. Can we grasp him? Can we put a handle on our God by properly naming him? And that is what Moses is attempting to do here. What is your name so that I can tell them who sent me? Typical normal request. And the Lord comes with, I am who I am. Try theologians have dealt with that since the beginning. And we will never be able to get at the bottom of it. Because God, our God, is ungraspable. And in other words, what he's saying here, what God is telling Moses here, I am the God without a name. I am the unnameable God. Unlike all the other deities out there who are false gods. And yet we need to know a name. And the contradiction here, apparently, is that this unnameable God, this ungraspable God, still wants you to know him. By name. And that's why God follows by saying, tell them, I am has sent you. Tell them, I am has sent you. And that I am is, we know the Hebrew word is Yahweh, but if you really want to honor the Hebrew, you would say Yahweh. You know, that, that's, the, that's the word, Yahweh. And even today, the Jews would not name it would not utter that name. 
They don't even point the vowels in it when they write it. Because this is the encounter that is striving to put a tag on God. God, show yourself. Identify yourself. You know, nowadays, we do it at the church. We do it in the workplace. Everybody has the rhythm with their tag. Everybody's properly identified. And in our attempt to do that with the Lord, this issue of naming as if God is, let me use this image, our son, and we can put a name on him, like we do with our children, it's truly the wrong understanding of what is going on here. So I am, has sent you. So why does God then come a few chapters later and start giving this list of commandments? You won't have any other gods but me. You will not make any images of me, and you will not, under any circumstances, take my name in vain. Because we've mentioned that our name says who we are. You say a name, immediately a face comes, comes to mind, if you have a good memory. We have a context. We have an identity associated with that name, much more so with the Lord. If I were to use... Um, the message version of this commandment. It is, this is what it says. Um, the, the NIV says, You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. The message says it's like this. No use in the name of God your God in curses or silly banter. God won't put up with the irreverence use of his name. And we have to simply go back to that moment when the encounter happened. Moses, stop. Take off your shoes. Because the ground upon which you stand is holy. So therefore, if that ground is holy, it's because we honor, we worship a holy God Anything having to do with this holy God is precisely that, sanctified, including his name, including his name, which is given by himself and no one else. As opposed to every other God in the land that had to be named by the peoples who worshiped them. So, no, my friends, we don't put God in a box we cannot have a handle as in attaching a proper name to the Lord because it is beyond. And now the tension is, it is, it remains. We want to know this God's name. And this God is showing our, himself to us. Even though he's ungraspable, even though he's unnameable, he's here in front of Moses. And he's here with us as we are gathered in his what? In his name, in his holy name. So the God that is beyond is also the God that comes near. The God that comes closer because he, even though he's that big and that ungraspable, he wants to be known. He wants to be personal. 
because that is his nature. He's personal and relational. And the commandments, once again, establish the basis for the relationship we are to have with the Lord. That is why if we make a big, big, big leap and go to the New Testament reading that we read today, this is what we read in the Gospel of Matthew. And this is Jesus who is known as the fulfillment of what? Of the law speaking about prayer in the Sermon of the Mount. In Luke 11, it says this. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples to pray. He said to them, when you pray, say, and he goes on. That's Luke's version of how the Lord taught the disciples the Lord's prayer, his prayer. In Matthew, it is within the context of the Sermon on of the Mount. But I like Luke's introduction because in this request of Lord, teach us how to pray. What are we saying? I don't know about you, my friends, but I have a hard time praying. I am a priest. I have prayed a whole lot. Trust me. And I find it one of the hardest things in my devotional life. How do I address this God that I worship? How exactly do I connect? How exactly do I refer to him? What types of words? And, and, and even, you know, for someone that considers himself a little competent in the use of language, I still find it one hard activity to do. There are many reasons for that. But I see... In this request from this disciple, Lord, teach us to pray. What is the proper way to address you? What is the proper way to call you, Lord? How should we do this awesome activity of having a conversation with you? How do we do this? It begins by understanding that God is holy and that his name is holy. But Jesus makes a twist here. Because Jesus made everything more accessible. To Moses, Joe, um, the Lord revealed himself as, I am who I am, which can mean as well, I will be who I will be. Um, and, with, and, and by the same token can mean, I have been who I have been, you know, past, present, and future, having no beginning, no end, eternal. But in the Gospels, Jesus takes this request to heart because, yes, God wants us to approach him, but in the, in the right way. And this is how Jesus tells them to pray. The first word is our Father in heaven. Jesus makes God accessible to us. And yet keeps this holiness, this um, uh, perfect state of being present for us. Because the next phrase is, hallowed be your name. 
hallowed be your name. We are continually to strive for God's name. I'll, I'll close with this, um, <laughs> with this um, uh, memory of mine. I, was, I must have been in second grade or third grade. And there was a, a, a classmate of mine. Her name was Maria Leticia. Her second name, her middle name was Leticia, Maria Leticia. And, um, you know, kids that we were, we would make fun of names back then if they sounded something like something, something funny. So, so I, would took, I, I took to call her Maria Letrina. Now, I don't know if you know what letrina means. It's latrine in, uh, in English. So I would call her Maria Letrina. So I would, it's pretty offensive that someone would do that to your name. I, now I am an adult, and I know, man, that was, that was off base. And, and I would call her that, you know. And one day we're just, the bell rang, and we are going out, and we, start, we, get, we get on each other's, um, you know, back. And Maria Letrina, and, you know, she wouldn't take it. So my name is Carlos Peyot. So the double L, you know, can be taken in, in English as, a, as an L. So she would call me Carlos Pelota. You know, Pelota simply means ball. But it depends on whom you talk to, because pelota can have a different connotation as well. So, um, and, 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 you know, I would tell her Maria Letrina, she would, tell him, she would call me Carlos Pelota. And we would beat our, beat our farewells like that, uh, and maybe take it on the next day. That is precisely what the commandment is seeking to avoid. Not only in our relationship to God, and that's the primary thing here, that in approaching God, we are to take seriously that our God is holy, that we are to approach him, and yet we have to take our sandals off, that we are to name him, name him, but we are to make sure that our lips, like Isaiah says, are clean, not unclean not to twist the names or use it in the improper way. Because ultimately, my brothers and sisters, this is what happens. God's name extends to all of us. And I read to you from Paul's letter to the Ephesians. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. You are named after God. Isn't it wonderful that this holy name that the Lord is commanding us to keep as such, it is also extended to a people, and it is by God's name that these people are called holy. That is a great privilege, my friends. That is a great blessing. That screams to all of us that we are called into this relationship, this covenantal relationship in which God knows each one of us by name and we come to know him as well by name. 
And that should inform our understanding as we address others. And next Sunday, you will have to wrestle with why we need to keep one day holy as well. And you will not be able to separate what we have spoken today about God's holy name from the reason why this day should be holy unto the Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Father God, we bless your holy name. A name that we are certainly unworthy to pronounce, and yet you allow us to call it. Because you have made yourself known to us, as you did with Moses. Lord God, we thank you for calling us into this relationship, intimate relationship with you. Bless us today as we seek to honor you and as we enter in contact with others that we may reflect, that we may show forth your praise, your glory, and how holy you are. In the precious name of your son, Jesus. Amen.